week in the context of prayer. And so we're just going to talk a little bit about this this morning about prayer. And let me just kind of first start off by saying, you know, I think that there are a number of different types of prayers. You know, there are prayers that we're coming before God and just kind of adoring him. There are prayers where we're coming with him, you know, and petitioning him for things. There are prayers that, you know, we that we that we sit down and we're just praying over what's going on in our life. You know, and I think most of us, we get caught up in these prayers about what's going on in our life. And our prayer life probably probably primarily and mostly is, you know, concerned with what's going on and what are my immediate issues going on today. And while all those prayers are healthy and effective and it's pressing into to God, inviting them into your life, we're kind of kind of move in another direction of a different type of prayer this morning. And and really, one of the things that I want you to kind of see this morning is, in my sense, it's coming before God without an agenda. So it's these agendaless prayers, right, that we're coming before God and asking him what is going on with him? What is going on with you? That we're just coming into the presence of God and asking him his will and what he wants. So we're going to look at a few different scriptures this morning. If you have your Bibles, if you want to turn with me, I don't have these up for you this morning, but uh, you can listen to me as I read a few verses. Um, I'm going to start in John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, you have Jesus talking to the disciples. And this is what he says in verse 10 of 14. He says, Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing this work. Believe me, I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name So that the son may bring glory to the father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you want to turn the page to John chapter 16, I'm going to begin reading in verse five. And Jesus continues his teaching. He says, now I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things. You are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you when he comes. He will convict the world of sin in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment in regard to sin. We'll skip down to verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will not. He will not speak. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me. By taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to me, all that belongs to the Father is mine. And that is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. What I want you to hear in this is that Jesus is simply saying, as I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, I am simply doing what I see the Father doing and saying what I hear the Father saying. And when the Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit, he is going to be a counselor to you. And there are many more things that I have yet to say to you that the Spirit himself is going to teach you. And he is not going to tell you just what he has to say. He is simply going to say to you what he hears me saying. So the Spirit of God speaks to the people of God what is on the heart of God. Do you see that? Do you understand that? If you... Now, if you want to flip, flip forward a few more pages, we're going to dive into a few different verses this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading in verse 6. We do, however, speak the message of wisdom from among the mature, but not of the wisdom of this age, of the rulers of this age or the coming. Um, No, we speak the God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for your glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord, the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Listen to this. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except a man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any of of man's judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord? That he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. Now turning back to Romans chapter 8. We're going to piece all these together. In Romans chapter 8 verses 26 and 27. In the same way. The spirit in our weakness. We do not know what what we ought to pray. But the spirit himself intercedes for us. With groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God, God's will. And we know that all things work to the good of those uh, work, work for the good of those who love God and have been called according to his purpose. All right. So let me piece all these together. So we have Jesus saying, I'm simply doing what I see what the father doing, say what I hear the father saying. It's better for you that I go away, because when I go away, then the spirit is going to come and he's going to be a counselor. And he is not just going to speak to you on his own behalf. He is simply going to share with you what is on the on on what I've given him and what the, what is on the father's heart. And then Corinthians, we hear that who knows the mind of the spirit of God, except, I mean, except the spirit of God. Like, are we really to be able to, in and of ourselves, to be able to know what the thoughts of God could be? Unless the Spirit of God living within us makes, it, makes us aware of what, the, what God's thoughts are. And in Romans chapter 8, we see, we don't know how to pray. But the Spirit of God intercedes through us with groans and utterances that words don't understand. And he prays through us on behalf of the saints. So there's this clarity in Scripture that... In all cases, we may not know what to pray and how to pray in and of ourselves, right? Yet, if you're anything like me, how many of you have sat and pondered, you know, I don't really know what to pray. Maybe you've had some big, you know, circumstance in your life and you just don't know what in the world's going on and you just cry out to God out of brokenness and say, God, I don't know what to do. But most of the time in our days, you know, in our daily prayers, as we're getting up and we're doing our thing and we're kind of you know, going through our daily discipline of a devotion or whatever the case is, we sit down and we pray or we come to a prayer meeting and we pray what is on our mind to pray, right? And is there anything wrong with those prayers? There's nothing wrong with those prayers. I'm simply saying that there is clearly this plan in this place for the Spirit of God 
to reveal to the minds of man what is on God's heart. Right now, I'm not trying to get all mystical and Pentecostal on you. I'm just trying to say this is what Scripture says, you know, and we worship a God who is supernatural. If he wasn't supernatural, I wouldn't want to worship him. If he was just natural like you and me, if he was just in human form and he wasn't greater than I am, if he wasn't the creator of all heavens and earth, why would we worship him? You know, why would why why do we take this? You know, the fact that God is above natural, that he is supernatural, that he is a spirit, that he has he's, he has sent his Holy Spirit. And the fact that he sent his Holy Spirit, he said, this is a good thing that I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And if he says it's good, then we need to accept it as good. You know, I, I, I grew up um, uh, in church and uh, I've heard stories of the previous denomination that I had been a part of as a kid that, um, you know, in, in a deacons meeting, you know, they were talking about this, this thought of the Holy Spirit came up. And one of the deacons in this church that had been there from the kind of beginning of the church, you know, said, you know, y'all need to cut this out. He said, we can talk about Jesus, but we're not going to start talking about this Holy Spirit thing. Right. And he got up and left the meeting. A.W. Tozier speaks about the Holy Spirit in this way. He says, you know, we 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 look at the we we look at the Holy Spirit. I think there are a number of things in theology that we look at in, in this case that we look at the Holy Spirit. And we we believe in our theology of who he is and it's right and it's true. But we're bankrupt in our practice. Of the reality of a spiritual life. We're bankrupt in our practice of what it means to come alongside and have the spirit of God fully come alive within us and to live the spiritual life that he desires to have. In Romans chapter eight, um, verse eleven. Uh, reads, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who has raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So what's the role of the whole one of the roles? There, there are multiple roles. Well, one of the roles of the of the spirit of God is to bring life into our mortal bodies. That we are not just natural people, that we are participating with God in a supernatural way. So applying that to our prayer lives, that we're not just coming to God and we're praying what is on our mind or we're praying for for Betty Sue, who's in the hospital and she's got an infected toe. And we're praying that God just heals her toe. Right. That's practical. That seems reasonable. And that's probably the right thing to pray. Pause. What if. We even just pause to say, God, what is it? How can I be praying for Betty Jo? Maybe there's something so much more and so much greater and deeper that the Lord would have us pray for in Betty Jo than just her toe. Maybe it was just the toe that got her to the point of being on the prayer list that God wanted to reveal something to you going on in Betty Jo's life. That he wanted to use this instance of a toe to put her on the prayer list to have this thing interceded toward. Be with me. So we move in this place in prayer beyond just what is natural and what we know to be right and what we can think in our own minds. And we literally move to this place where we're not just coming before God with our own thoughts of what prayers would be, of what the right request would be. But we're coming before God and asking him, what do you know about this situation? And what are your thoughts toward what is going on here? And how would you have me pray? Now, 
Maybe that sounds like all mystical and supernatural and Pentecostal to you. And I don't know, maybe it is. But to me, it's really not. To me, it's just really simple. It's the reality of the word of God that's living and active in the spirit of God that wants to live within us because he wants us to have a life of a fullness. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. So that, and as we just read in Romans 8, 11, that this spirit of God lives in us and wants to bring a life to us, right? Where the spirit of God is, there is this living being that brings us to life. And so I believe that in our prayer life, that the Lord wants to bring us to a more awakened, more reality, more joining with him. You know, it's one thing to pray and probably most of our prayers, if you had to be honest, most of your prayers are probably talking. You know, most of us, probably 90 percent of our prayer time, we're doing the talking. Right. Any any guilty of that? And the Lord really convicted me of that over the last about two years ago that, you know what? Wow, I'm praying to the God of the universe who knows all things, right? I think that there, just like Tozer was talking about in, with the Holy Spirit, I think that there's this reality that we need to practice what we think and believe about God, that God is omnipotent. He's all-knowing, right? So here's this God who created everything. There's nothing that he does not know. He's omniscient. He's all-powerful. There's nothing that he cannot do. And he's omnipresent. He's ever-present with us all the time. And yet when we pray to him, we pray like he doesn't know what the case of the situation is, like maybe he could do something about this as if. Is it possible that you could do this? Well, of course, it's possible if it's what he desires to do. And like he hasn't been present through the whole situation or he's not present with them in the hospital room where the case is that we're not practicing what we believe in our head, that God is all knowing that he is ever present. And he is all powerful. So we're coming before God and we're praying to him like we're trying to educate him on what the situation is, how he needs to fix it and what needs to take place, that how he needs to move. Right. Well, that just seems to me like that's a waste of time. If God is omniscient and omnipotent and omnipresent, then praying that way to me is a waste of time. Because he knows all that. He knows what's best. He's fully capable. And he's there now. And he's here now. Are you with me? So one of the things that's helped me in my efforts to try to learn how to pray as I asked the Lord. The disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray. And so I think it's good that we as followers, we as disciples of Jesus are asking him, Jesus, teach me how to pray. One of the things that the Lord's led me to, it's a really simple practice, and I'm challenging you with it. It's going to be your homework. Is this little principle of the open chair, right? It's just, it's, I'm, I'm dumb. I'm like a little sheep. You know, I don't know much. And so I just literally think of, I call it, I call it practicing the presence of a king, right? Is that I imagine myself coming before a king, right? If Barack Obama came and sat here this morning, do you think he would have your attention? Like him or not, I don't know what your political beliefs are, the president of the United States would have your full attention if he was sitting in the room with you, right? Well, we're not talking about the president of the United States. We're talking about the creator of the universe. And guess what? He's sitting in the room with us this morning because he's omnipresent, right? And so my prayer thoughts and my prayer life begin to practice this reality that, God, you are here with us. And I think so much of my prayer life before the Lord started to lead me 
into this venture of practicing this presence of the king is I was like the court jester. You know, I was like the dumb fool who came stumbling in the room and tripping over everything and telling these loud jokes and and goofing off. And everybody's attention kind of came to him like, what is that idiot doing here? Right. Because it just making a bunch of noise and being really loud. And as I came to the reality that. I practiced the presence of the king, then I then literally in my mind, I'm like entering into this this chamber room. That the king of the whole of the universe sits upon. And who am I to speak in his presence unless he asks me something? That I'm just in awe of who he is. And my job is just to be a servant and to be honored to be able to come into his presence. And if he has some assignment or some task for me, then I am fully ready and willing and to jump on board and to do that thing or to pray that thing. But my first thing is to just come before him and to be grateful and to worship him and to tell him the thoughts that I have of him and to tell him how great he is and to to express my heart toward him and my devotion toward him. You with me now? Just pause. I'm not asking you to raise your hand. Do you think there's any room for improvement in our prayer life? If we just begin to practice the presence of the king kind of mentality, that maybe we could hit pause on all the stumbling gestures and all the things, not saying that there's anything wrong with bringing your prayer request before the Lord. Okay, I'm simply saying at the next level up, do you think there's some value in taking this step of practicing the presence of the king? Another way to look at it is imagine that there's this open chair next to you and Jesus himself were sitting in this chair. How would you speak to him? Because oftentimes we get all carried up and we pray and we we shout and I'm going to be guilty of, of it as anybody. And we pray as though God's far off and he can't hear us when the reality is he could be sitting. And if I were going to pray and I were going to speak to him, how would I speak to this king of the universe if he were sitting next to me you with me? So maybe there's this level of opportunity for there to be awe in our time of coming before God in our time of prayer. Right. So that's just the that's just the first step. That's just the attitude of our heart as we come before God to pray. You with me? We haven't even gotten to the pieces of scripture that I'm reading about. Right now we're moving on to this place where as if we're in the chambers of the king of the universe and he happened to call on your name and he said, Bill. You know, he said, John, he said, Rebecca, he said, Mary. I mean, your ears would perk up. He just said your name. And he has something for you. Now, I'm going to tell you a couple quick stories. Um, When my life really turned around, I was a senior. I grew up in the church, uh, you know, long story short. But my senior year of college, there was a really life-changing time for me. And uh, and I really just gave my life to God in a whole new way. And... um, uh, I was a part of Tom Tanner's campus ministry at the University of Georgia. And one night at the, the Wesley Foundation there, Tom was leading the service. And after the service, there was this time of worship and people came up to the altar, you know, to be prayed for. And there were a lot of people there. I mean, it's like five or six hundred students at this place. Right. And I'm somewhat new. I've been involved for a few months. So I don't know everybody there. Right. And so the, but the Lord had really been doing this deep work in my life. And I'm sitting, you know, 10 rows back and this place is packed out and it's hot and the music's really loud. And I'm sitting there 
you know, worshiping. And I noticed this guy. I was sitting on the right hand side of the surf of the sanctuary. And I noticed this guy come across and go down to pray. And the Lord just I'd never seen him before. He's a student at UGA, I'm sure. And the Lord just just noticed this guy. And for some reason, suddenly I was burdened. To begin praying for him. And so he knelt down at the altar. And I just began praying. And oh, I, I, can't, I can't tell you what happened. I can only describe to you what took place for me. I was burdened beyond belief. For this person that I had never seen before in my life. That was praying at the altar. You know, some 30 feet from where I was. And I was weeping uncontrollably for this person. For this guy. Never had anything like this happen to me in my whole life. Right. But I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was burdening me to pray for this person. I mean, it was it was just I was I didn't know what I was praying. I just knew I was praying for this guy. And this went on for like 10 minutes. I mean, this was not one of these short little, you know, wrap up the sermon in, you know, a song and, you know, come get some prayer. This was like, you know, this thing goes on for 45 minutes. It's this time of worship. And and this goes on for 10, 12 minutes. And I haven't even looked up. I'm just I'm just sitting in my seat, you know, bent over praying for this guy, just kind of with this uncontrollable burden for him. And I, I mean, I've got tears running down my face. And then just like that, it just stops. Suddenly the burden just was lifted. I mean, I went from being in this labor pain burden for this person that I didn't know, but God gave me this compassion for. And praying and weeping for him. This made no sense to me, okay? I'm a 22-year-old kid, but this is something real happening in my life. And this burden and this compassion for this guy, and just like this, it just stops. This burden's lifted. And I, I immediately just kind of lift my head up. And the second, this has gone on for 12 minutes. The second that that burden lifted, I opened my eyes for the first time and looked up. And that same second, he got up off his knees and went back to the seat. And for me, who had never experienced anything like that in prayer before, I was like, whoa. What are the odds that God burdened me to pray for this guy that much that I'm just bent over praying? And the same second that I look up is the second he's getting up off his knees. Well, that leads to part to to story number two. About a month later, um, I was in Colorado working at a ranch in Colorado and uh uh, is this Christian camp, and there were a number of college students that were on staff at this this ranch, and a number of high school students. And I was, I was one of the college students there. And uh, this is the this is the end of the first week that I was there, and um, and I just took some time to kind of go away. Uh, and uh, I was in this room, kind of away from everybody else, and I was just having my devotion and started to pray. And then just like that same thing that happened that night in worship. Um, God put in my mind this girl, one of the high school girls that was on staff. I didn't know her. I didn't know her name. I just suddenly felt burdened for this young lady. Can't explain it. This might sound crazy to you. This might sound weird. It's just reality. This was my experience. And so I began praying for her. And the next thing you know, I become burdened beyond belief. I've never told this story to a group of people before. I became burdened beyond belief. I mean, I was crying uncontrollably. I had snot rolling down my... I mean, it was it was ugly. I mean, and I was in this room by myself and I was just praying out loud to God for this girl. I didn't know anything about what was going on. All I know is that as Romans eight 
came to teach me that the spirit of God prayed with groans and utterances that I did not understand on behalf of the saints. Let me read that to you again. In the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness and we do not know what we ought to pray. But the spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. I don't I didn't even know that scripture at that moment, but I came to learn it. But because the reality was I was in this uncontrollable, you know, tear fest praying for this person with this burden that I could not understand in this amazing way. And then 30 minutes, I mean, this was no short little prayer thing. 30 minutes into this thing, the switch flips. And just suddenly it was over. It's like there was this peace. And I was exhausted. And I went through a box of Kleenex, and I was just trying to gather myself together. I had no idea what was going on. I only knew I was praying for this young lady, right? The next day, the next day, one of the other college gals on staff came to me. She said, Scott, I have to tell you about, I don't know what to do with it. I have to tell you about this young lady that I just met with in my room. She was roommates with the girl that I had been praying for, right? There are 30-something high school staff and probably 20-something college staff at this camp. And this college student is rooms with this high school student, and the college student comes to me to tell me about the conversation she just had with this high school student that I had been praying for the day before. She said she just came to me and confessed to me that yesterday at X time she had her head in a noose and she was about to commit suicide at the same time that I was praying for. Coincidence? Coincidence that she was still there the next day to say, I took my head out of the noose and I need some help. Friends, I, I can't explain to you what this is or what this is like. I'm simply sharing the story with you to say God has a plan to reveal his heart and to reveal things that burden his heart and things that he's aware of, that we're not aware of, that he delights to allow us into his presence to burden us with, to cause change that affect this world. And that the God of all creation loves you and I enough that he invites us to those places. Now, what I was just sharing with you in those two stories were prayers of intercession. Okay? And intercession to me, the best analogy I have, it's like, it's like I come before God like I'm holding this empty shovel. Okay? And the Lord puts this burden, suddenly fills this shovel up with heavy coal. Okay? And my job is just to take this heavy shovel and to lay it at the foot of the cross. I'm just taking this heavy shovel and dumping it into the dump truck. Okay, it's not my job to own this burden. It's my job to take this lump of heavy stuff and to give it away at the foot of the cross. Right. And so that's the role of the intercessor. The intercessor doesn't live out this life of this burden. The intercessor holds on to that burden until the Lord releases it and empties it out. And that for me, that was this release. That was this peace. You know, and that's happened a number of other times in my life since then. That was back in 1997. But those first two stories are stories that clarified for me that this is something real, though I don't understand it. I truly trust that God moves in this way. And I truly know, you know, as we we look at intercession, we look at at how God wants to move us to pray. And we realize that, you know, in in the gifts of the spirit, intercession is not one of the gifts listed. 
Okay, we may think, well, certain people are called to intercede and to be intercessors. Well, that may be true, but it's not biblical because the gifts of the spirit are listed and intercession is not one of them. I believe that the spirit of God wants to pray through believers on behalf of the saints, because that's what the Bible says. I believe that God desires for every one of us to be moved and burdened for our brothers and our sisters for the things that God has a broken heart for them about that we may not know what it was. I did not know in my time of praying for that high school girl that her head was in a noose. I knew that I was burdened to pray for her. I didn't find that out until her friend told me the next day. You with me? But are we willing to be fully surrendered to the will of God that we're pursuing him, that we're coming into his courts and that we're asking him, won't you allow me to bear with you the burdens that are on your heart for the people of that you love and that you are called according to your purpose? And so as we look, all of us know Romans eight twenty eight, for, for and, and we know that all things work out to the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. But many of us miss that that verse comes right after verse 26 and 27, that the spirit prays and intercedes for the saints. Right. So my challenge, my sermon for you this morning is not to throw out some super mystical piece for you. My goal in sharing these stories with you and challenging you in your prayer life is to just simply pause and say, God, Do you desire to use me in a way that I have not been coming to you in in my time of prayer? Do you won't you teach me how to pray? Come to come to him just like the disciples did. Teach me how to pray that yet. And and not all prayer is going to be intercession. Not all prayer is going to be this groaning inwardly, you know, that with words that we don't understand. But maybe that there's a piece of that. There's an instance of that. But there is something more that God has in store for you, because the reality is The spirit of God knows the will of God, and we don't know that unless the spirit of God tells it to us. But scripture is very clear that the spirit of God wants to speak to us and wants to reveal the things on the heart of God to the people of God to join him in what he's doing. And he desires for us to join him because he loves us. And he wants us to be a part of what he is a part of. He wants us to join him for the things that burden his heart. Are you with me? So that's my challenge before you this morning. I'm going to wrap it up with that. But as you go into this week, would you just simply take time, put the prayer list a little bit on pause this week, and take time to come before God and pause and to be silent and just ask him, think about the empty chair, God, what is on your heart? And just be still and be quiet. And maybe he gives you a face. Maybe he gives you a name. Maybe he gives you something. And just do your best to be faithful with what he's put in front of you. And let him lead you on the journey to a deeper life in him. A deeper life of connecting with his spirit. And a deeper life that he wants to give each and every one of us. So let's pray.